Amen. I want to grab Sarah. Here's your phone. I know you want to read the scriptures on that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna grab this right here because this is how I roll. It's just a little bit easier for me. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. All right. My little OCD self got to get situated here because I preach better when I'm all situated. Well, I don't know. Maybe if I don't get situated, you'll see if I get preach better or not. <laughs> All right. So Pastor Jason is gone um, to Birmingham this today. And whether this is this is so honoring, I believe, from from the kids, but Sarah was cracking me up when she was praying and, and her tongue was getting a little twisted there and it made, reminded me of this. Um, but our some of our kids lovingly refer to him as PBJ which is Pastor Bishop Jason. So he is gone um, to Birmingham today. And so just covet your prayers as he travels um, and, and brings a word today at one of our churches in North Alabama. But I want to open up the sermon today with this scripture. Psalms 119.18 says this. This just stood out to me so much this week as I was studying and getting ready. And, and God had already given me a revelation um, a while back that whenever I preach that it's not my work that does the work. that does, does the work. It's not my preparation for the sermon. It's not my um, time that I spend um, getting ready. And, and But, you know, he uses that. But it's his word that does the work this morning. And so this, I found this scripture and I'm like, that so proves, Lord, what, what the revelation revelation that you gave me. So I want to pray this over us, us this morning. It says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Uh, King James says, wondrous, wondrous things from your law. So Lord, this morning, I pray that you would open our eyes today to see wondrous things from your law. Lord, we declare today that as we read your scripture together, that it will be like, um, Lord, whenever the, the people found the word of God um, back in the Old Testament and they, and they had not read it in a long time and they had not heard it in a long time, but Lord, whenever they began to read it, the people just began to to hear it and understand it and it became there became a revival in the land because your word was being read and it was entering into the hearts of people and it was stirring and it was changing and it was bringing life and it lord so today we thank you that your word is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and so this morning as we read your word together lord we thank you for a corporate revelation we thank you for a corporate understanding we thank you for a corporate anointing this morning on your word that as we hear it our eyes will be open to hear and to see the wondrous things that are in your word amen do you receive that amen all right so I'm going to start it off like this have you ever and this is probably a woman thing but men you guys get to experience this too okay and kids I'm not leaving you out because you get to experience, you've experienced this too, I promise. If you're in, if your mom or whoever you live with, that's the woman in the house, if they're anything like me, you, I promise you, you have experienced this. All right. Have you ever had a visitor coming to your house? Everybody ever had a visitor come to your house? All right. Have you ever had an unexpected visitor come to your house? And they call and they say, we're coming and we're going to be there in 15 minutes. Ever? Yeah? Okay. All right. So you guys are, are about to figure out what I'm about to say, okay? That call happens and you go into a frenzy, right? 
All right, because you've just been living life, right? Your house looks like you've just been living life. Right? There's clothes that need to be folded up. There's the bathroom is probably stanky because all three of your kids share it and it's just horrible, you know. And and the, there's dishes in the kitchen. Yep. Yeah, you know, Savannah, you, you, you know it. There's dishes in the kitchen, they're on the cabinet. And so you get that call and mom comes to attention, right? It's like, all right, kids, it's time to clean. We got 15 minutes. And so you start cleaning, you start putting stuff up, and most, I'm, you know, a lot of times I was like, just grab all of that stuff and take it to my room and just shove it on the bed and shut the door and lock it so nobody goes in there, you know. You hide all of your mess in that one room. Am I the only person that does that? No. Okay. All right. All right. So I'm not preaching to myself today. All right, so I've had this happen. I'm telling you, I'm being vulnerable. I'm being honest. I'm just laying our lives right straight out there, okay? We've had this happen before. And none of you guys have a Lydia, okay? You might think you have a Lydia, but you, you are not blessed with a Lydia, okay? So when she was little, she, she did this to me, okay? We had a visitor come over, and we just had that 15-minute, minute, you know, frantic cleaning, right? And the visitor comes over, and she's like, let me give you a tour of our house. And she goes, here's the playroom. Here's the living room. And this right here is my mom and dad's room where we had just thrown everything in our house into our room, and it was a mess. And I'm like, oh, I just was humbled about <laughs> five or ten times, right? You feel, you feel my pain? All right. So, so this has happened to us, and it sounds like it's happened to many of you guys. We all have that, that room or that space in our house, or maybe it's a junk drawer that just collects everything, or it's just something that you have in your house that you just don't want everybody to see because it's just a mess. Anybody? Right? All right. So that's, that's totally, totally me. So today we're going to talk about the messy room. Can we just lay it all out there and just get it out there and let's talk about the messy room since we all have experienced that. We're going to start with um, Nehemiah. I've been just studying Nehemiah, just laying it out and just asking the Lord to show me his wondrous things from the book of Nehemiah. And so I've got a connection today with Nehemiah and we're going to talk about the messy room because let's just talk about this. There was a mess that was going on in Israel in the book of Nehemiah. I want to give you a little bit of history of what was going on before we get into the scripture here, but let me do some teaching here, give you some history, some backstory, and then we'll get into the actual story of Nehemiah. All right, so the story of Nehemiah is an account that took place in 445 BC. It had been 141 years after the destruction of Jerusalem during the Babylonian captivity. All right, so the city of Jerusalem is the city of God. It's, the, it's where the people, man, they love Jerusalem. God, God loves Jerusalem. It's just it's a special city to, them, to, to him. And it had been taken captive during the Babylonian reign. So God's people went into captivity as a result of their sin. Okay? So they had made a mess. Israel had chosen rebellion and disobedience, and that entered into captivity instead of the promised blessing of obedience. God said, you obey me, and there's going to be all kinds of promises that are going to come down to you and your children and your children's children, and, but they didn't choose that. 
They chose the mess. And so the book opens up in Nehemiah. It opens up in Susa, which was the winter home of the Persian kings. Now, how, how would you like to have summer home, spring home, fall home, winter home, all right? So this is where Nehemiah is. He's in the winter home of the Persian kings. Um, Nehemiah was a Jew born during exile, and the Bible tells us that he rose to a prominent position of leadership in the court of Artaxerxes. So he was a cup, as we read Nehemiah, we see that he was a cup bearer to the king. And um, just to kind of give you a little bit of background on a cupbearer, that kind of meant that he was a very trusted advisor. And he held a responsibility for testing the king's wine. All right, so you've seen it on TV. You've got the king eating, the king drinking, and before they eat or drink, you've got this guy who tastes it to see if it's poisoned. So that's a pretty high position, right? So this is the position that we find Nehemiah in. And he was likely equivalent to the chief of staff. That's a pretty high position. You've got some influence. You've got, you've got direct contact with the king. So I want to give you a spoiler. I want to prep you, though, okay? Because as we start to read Nehemiah 1, we're going to see that Israel, that, that Jerusalem, and that Israel and the people of Israel, that the city was in a mess, okay? The walls were in ruins. And uh, let's go ahead and look at Nehemiah 1, and we're going to just start with 1, and we're going to read down through 4. But here we go. Follow along with me. Open your Bibles, and let's read it. The wondrous words of the book of God. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and he also questioned them about what? Jerusalem. That's right. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. So it had been 13 years since Ezra had led a mission to rebuild the temple. Okay? Ezra and Nehemiah are right there together and they're kind of like Ezra's the first book and then Nehemiah is kind of the sequel and you kind of see what's going on um, there in the, in the people of God during that time of exile. So Nehemiah wants an update on the condition of Jerusalem and the exiles there. And as we see, it was not good news. Okay? The people are in great trouble and they're in great disgrace the walls are broken down, and the gates have been burned with fire. So let's talk about the importance of the walls. Okay, We've talked about this before. I'm not going to go in depth in it, but the wall was their security. The wall was what kept their nation separated from other nations. So the culture of the other nations or other countries couldn't bleed into the culture of Israel. Okay, they, it, the walls kept them secure. It kept the enemies out. So walls were very important to the nation. 
The city was in the mess, and the mess was causing the people to be vulnerable to the attack of the enemy, and it left them in trouble and disgrace. Would you say this was their messy room? It was their messy room. All right? So let's read what Nehemiah does in 1-4. says, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Wait, what? He didn't frantically try to fix it on his own? He didn't frantically try to gather everybody up and let's march down there and let's fix it. No, what did he do? He prayed. And as we read on into the, if, you, if you'll take it and read on into the next chapter, chapters, you'll see that he, not only did he pray, but he prayed for four months. You ever had to pray for something really long? God wants you to know today, don't give up. You keep praying. He prayed for four months. And a lot of times, whenever we have a mess in our lives or we've got a mess going on in our families or we've got a mess going on around us, you know, a mess going on in the country, mess going on in the world, prayer is the last resort. But God wants you to look at Nehemiah today and say, this is what we need to do. Whenever we see a mess or hear of a mess that's going on around us or in our lives, you stop and you pray. So let's talk about the first step of cleaning up a mess. We know about messes, but how do we clean them up? Okay, so I'm going to give you three steps today for cleaning up a mess. All right. What did Nehemiah do when he realized what a mess Jerusalem was in? We just, we just kind of touched on that. But he sat down. I think when you sit down, you kind of pause, don't you? You kind of stop. And you sit and you just think. And you're still. You know the scripture, be still and know that I am God. We've got so many things going on around us. Our lives are so busy. Our lives are so full that whenever there's, and it just adds to all the mess and all the chaos in our lives, and we don't sit down and we're not still before the Lord. Okay? So he sits down and he weeps. He's moved with compassion for the people that are in Jerusalem. He's moved with compassion for Jerusalem because he knows that the Messiah is coming. He believes that what God's word says, and there's a promised Messiah coming, and he weeps for Jerusalem. And then for days, he mourns, and he fasts, and he prays before the God of Israel. So step one for cleaning up a mess is prayer should be a priority. It should be the first thing we run to. It should be the first response we have, not the last resort. I want to show you how important God says prayer is. I want to read, Scott, these are those popcorn scriptures I told you about. I'm going to read these just really quick because I want you to hear what God's word says about prayer and the wondrous of, God, of the truth of God's word. Open our hearts up to what God wants us to see and what God wants us to know about making prayer a priority. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always. 
That's when you feel like it. Some of the time. That's when things are going good. What? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Does God want us to pray? Does does God want us to make prayer a priority? Yes. All right. Next scripture, Scott. 1 John 5, 14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. God wants us to pray because he's listening. And when he, we pray, he hears us. Next scripture. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, 12 says this. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Scott, go to the next one. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Man, these are some hard scriptures this morning, aren't they? But it's the wondrous truth of God's law, and he wants you to hear it this morning, and he wants you to open your eyes, and he wants you to realize that prayer needs to be made a priority. When there's messes in your life, you need to sit down, you need to be still, and you need to pray. That was Nehemiah's first, first response. All right, back to the cleaning up the mess. Nehemiah was not the only one who wept over Jerusalem. We're going to look at Jesus. Let's turn to Luke 19, 41 through 44. And this is Jesus, and he is actually at the end of his ministry, and he is on his journey to the cross, and he has to go to Jerusalem. Okay, so this is where we find Jesus, and I'm going to read this from the New King James Version. And it says this, this is Luke 19, 41, and we're going to go through 44. Now, as he drew near, and he's he's talking about Jesus, he saw the city, and he wept over it. And this is what he said. Jerusalem. If you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, that the things that make for your peace, if you had known that this day, that your peace was right here, he's talking about himself, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. I want to point out this word right here. Visitation. You know, we talked about at the very beginning, 
that whenever you're expecting like a special visitor and you just start cleaning up messes, all right, here's Jesus and he's ready to visit Jerusalem, but they do not recognize him. They do not realize that the prince of peace, that the king of kings, that the Messiah that they had been waiting for, the Messiah that Nehemiah wept for and cried over and prayed and fasted, the day that, that Nehemiah was looking towards, this was the day. And Jesus is looking out on Jerusalem, the city and the people that he loves, and they don't even know that he's there. They don't even know or recognize that the peace that they have so desired for generations is there. So let me give you step two for cleaning up a mess. Accept, A-C-C-E-P-T, accept Jesus for who he is and everything he has to offer. He did not look like the Messiah they were expecting. But this is Jesus saying right here in this scripture, he says, saying, Jerusalem, I have come. I am here to give you peace. I am here to make your walls secure so that the enemy cannot have access to you. I am here to give you the power to turn the other cheek whenever someone who hates you comes against you. I am here to give you the power to pray for those who hurt you. I am here to give you the power to build strong, secure walls for your life. I'm here to give you the power to clean up the mess. I'm here to give you the power to open the door to the hidden rooms in your life, and I am here to make them clean. And that's what Jesus is saying, but you have not, he's saying, Jerusalem, I just see you, and it's a mess. I'm here to clean it up, but you don't hear me. You don't see me. You don't recognize me. But there was one man. There was was a lot of people that did recognize him. But I want to show you one man that just in chapter 19, before this happens, that did receive Jesus's invitation. And it's going to take you back to your childhood days probably. I'm, as I was studying this, I just could not help but sing the song. But let's go to Luke 19, 1 through 9. And I'm going to be very PBJ-ish, Pastor Bishop Jason-ish. And we're going to sing a song about Zacchaeus. Everybody know it? Zacchaeus was Oh, you guys know it. Yes. All right, so we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. Okay, so it says here in Luke 19.1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Man, wouldn't you just love for Jesus to just pass through? Just pass through my mess, Jesus. Just pass through. And an interesting thing, whenever I was studying this, I was thinking, you know, Jericho was where God's enemies' walls fell down, right? And here Jesus is entering Jericho and is passing through. 
a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Not only was he a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. And not only was he a chief tax collector, but he was rich. He was wealthy. Hey, I'm fixing to tell you why he was wealthy. Let me give you a little, a little background on some tax collectors, okay? You know how you watch a movie and you're like watching the scene and then they stop and they give you the background scene? I'm fixing to give you the background scene, all right? Here's, here's the backstory on Zacchaeus, our little, our little friend, Zacchaeus, our wee little friend, okay? Here's the background. Zacchaeus, like other tax collectors, was working for the Roman Empire, The Romans needed local tax collectors, and they found it very advantageous to hire locals, such as Zacchaeus, to collect money from their kinfolk. In exchange, these local tax collectors pledged their allegiance to Rome and charged a really nice commission. But not only did they do this, but they would charge extra to the people, and they would skim a little bit of, of, of the money for themselves. Okay? Anybody like to hear the word IRS? Or federal tax income? Or April 15th? Any of those words that have to do with your taxes? No. All right? So you feel kind of how you feel about the IRS. Well, This was even worse. The chief tax collector, Zacchaeus, was even worse. I would say that Zacchaeus was a mess. I would just venture out there and say that his life probably was broken. I would even venture out there and say that he probably did not have very many friends. I would say that he probably had his family relationships were probably not that good. Because of who he was. But this mess of a Zacchaeus needed a visit from the Messiah. Right? So let's read what verse 3 says. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Let's go ahead into five, Scott. Go ahead and and do that one. So when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, I'm just here to tell you right now that Jesus was passing through Jericho because he knew of a man whose name was Zacchaeus, and he knew that he needed a visitation from him, and he looked up and he said to him, he didn't just call him, um, you know, by, by no name, which Zacchaeus probably felt like that's what he was all of his life, that he was a no-name short guy, right? And, and he probably never had been seen, he never had been known, but here we have the king of kings, the Prince of Peace, coming through Jericho, and he reaches a specific spot, and he looks up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. You want to sing it, don't you? Because I'm coming to your house today. I must stay at your 
house. It's not even, the song's not even right. The song doesn't even quote the scripture right. This is Jesus saying, I must stay at your house. Here's Jesus saying to Zacchaeus, I know that you have felt like you have not been seen your whole entire life. You have felt overlooked by people. You have made a mess of your life. But Zacchaeus, I see you. And not only do I see you, but I must stay at your house. I don't care that it's a mess. I don't care that you've taken everything that that you didn't want me to see and you took it and you shoved it in a room. I don't care that it's a mess. I want to go in that room and I want to clean it up, Zacchaeus. I must stay at your house. I don't care that your walls are broken. I don't care that your relationships are broken. I don't care that your finances are broken. I don't care that your emotions are broken. Whatever is broken about you, Zacchaeus, I can clean it up. And so here's what Zacchaeus does. Did he stay in the tree? No, the Bible says in Luke 19, 6, it says, So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And Zacchaeus, unlike Jerusalem, recognized that Jesus had made a visitation to his house. And Zacchaeus said, come on in, Jesus. Come on in. Come on in, the messiest place I have. You come on in to my house. Come and clean it. Come and visit it. Come restore the broken pieces. He welcomed Jesus gladly. And then in Luke 19, 7, we've got the people. Luke 19, 7 says this, says, all the people there who you know probably knew little Zacchaeus, the little rotten little worm, Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, Zacchaeus. They say this. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. Jesus? is going to be a guest of a sinner? Jesus? Can I tell you today that there's always going to be people and they're going to judge your mess. But Jesus does not judge your mess. He looks onto the inside of you and he sees your heart. The people will even doubt that Jesus could clean a mess like me. Zacchaeus, probably the messiest of the mess, and Jesus comes and visits him. Jesus, you can't go there to that sinner's house. Oh, yes, I can. And oh, yes, he did. He went right to his house. And this is what Zacchaeus says after he 
after he has an encounter with Jesus and after he says, I'm, I'm taking this invitation and I recognize the Messiah. And he says in verse 8, he says this, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Because when Jesus cleans your mess, he changes everything. He has changed Zacchaeus from the inside out. And here's Zacchaeus saying, Lord, I won't to be clean. I have been made clean. And this is what happens when Jesus comes in and clean. I want to read to you some of the wondrous word of the law that what says when Jesus comes in and clean, he makes you clean. Isaiah 1, 18 says this. Come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. This is what has happened to Zacchaeus. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. The power of a visitation from Jesus. Psalm 51.7 says this. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, O Lord, and I will be whiter, so whiter than snow. 1 John 1.7 says this. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Aren't you thankful for his visitation? And then... Luke finishes this scripture by this, saying this in, in verse 9. He says, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. He's saying, I have come. I have come to your house. I have brought salvation. You have been made as white as snow. So I'm going to give you step three for cleaning up a mess. Step one is make prayer a priority. Step two is accept Jesus for who he is and everything he has to offer. And step three is this for cleaning up a mess. Invite Jesus into every area of your life. You know the messy room? Jesus even wants to go in there. And he wants 
to clean every area of our lives. And I want to pray for you this morning. Because I've gone through the wondrous scriptures. And we've prayed that the Lord would open your eyes. And so if you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give some time for some altar ministry today. And this is what I want to do first. I want to ask you that maybe you feel like for the first time today, you are being seen by Jesus. And you want him to come and to live in your house today. I want to tell you today that Jesus is here. And he has prayed for you. The Bible says that he sits at the right hand of God, ever making intercession for you. Ever making intercession for me. How wondrous is it that Jesus is praying for us continually? And just like he said to Zacchaeus, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He has come to seek and to save you today. And so whether you're in this room this morning and you have never asked Jesus into your heart, or if you're watching online, or if you're listening to the podcast, I want to ask you this morning, Do you know him? And he's asking you to recognize him today. Don't be like Jerusalem and not accept him and not receive him and not take hold of the peace that he has for you. But be like Zacchaeus and run before the crowd and say, Jesus, I need you. It doesn't matter what I need to do. It doesn't matter where I need to go. I want to see you. And Jesus is saying today, I want to come to your house. I want to come and I want to go into the messy places. And I want to set you free from the messy places. So if that's you this morning and you just need Jesus and you say, I've never asked him to come into my heart. I want to accept him today and everything he has to offer. If that's you this morning, can you raise your hand? I see that hand. If you're online, the Lord sees your hand. So church, can you pray with me? 
And if you're online watching, just repeat after me. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my house, even the messy room, and wash me white as snow. Forgive me, Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. Come be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus has just come to your house today. Seeking to save those who are lost. All right, but that's not where the Lord wants us to end this morning. So I'm going to give you a couple opportunities to respond to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to invite Jesus into your private life. Lord, come and clean up the way I spend my time. Lord, come and clean up what I allow through the gates of my eyes and my ears and what has entered into my heart. Jesus, come to my house today and clean up how I spend my time. That's a big one. Or maybe you need to invite Jesus into your speech. Lord, come and clean up my mouth. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Lord, when I speak about others, let it be out of a filter of the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, when I'm speaking to my spouse, help it to be led by the Holy Spirit. Lord, when I'm hanging out with my friends or when I'm texting or putting posts on social media, Lord, let it be led by the Spirit of God. Lord, come and clean up my speech and my eyes and my ears and what I've allowed in my heart. This is just complacent Christianity that God wants to come in and he wants to be a part of every part of your life. Or maybe you would say today, Lord, my life is just a mess. I need you, Jesus, to come and clean up, repair, restore. There's broken pieces of me, Lord, that I need you to come, and I need you to mend, and I need you to come and help me this morning. Lord, come into every part of my life and clean every part of me. I don't, I know how the Holy Spirit has been dealing with me through the word. I don't know how he's been dealing with you, but if he has dealt with you about anything this morning, he wants you to come to the altar, come to the front, and just lay it down this morning. So I want to give you the opportunity to just invite Jesus into every part of your life this morning. 
So let's let it start with surrender. If you need to surrender something to him this morning, come and surrender it at the altar. And then as you surrender, if you need prayer this morning, we'll pray for you. So I want to open it up. Might be a little uncomfortable. But that's okay. I'm sure climbing up that tree was uncomfortable for Zacchaeus. What do you need to do to reach Jesus this morning? Just be obedient. He's spoken to your heart this morning. Just come and lay it down at his feet. Lord, I don't want to be like Jerusalem, and I don't want to not recognize you, Jesus. I want to be like Zacchaeus, and Lord, whenever you come to my house, I want to get, have everything I can have from you, Lord. So Jesus, we lay it down to you this morning. The word says that he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And what he's waiting for you to do is just say, come on in, Jesus. To every part of my life. Lord, I want to live a holy life for you. I want to live a life that brings you glory. I want to live a life, Lord, that represents the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if that means you coming and cleaning parts of my life, you come on in, Lord, and do that. Lord, we just want to be obedient to your voice this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to leave the altar open for just a few more minutes. And just give you the chance to respond. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with you on something just respond and bring it to the altar this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Church, would you just lift your hands and let's just pray for those who, came, who responded to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And let's just pray for them today, and let's pray for any needs that you would have this morning. Father, we just thank you this morning for your presence in this place. Lord, we thank you for coming and cleaning every part of us and coming into the messiest of messes. And Lord, only you are the one who can clean those places. And so this morning, Lord, I thank you for those who were obedient to your voice, who responded to what you were dealing with them about today. God, I just thank you that you touch them. And Lord, that you come and you bring clarity. You come and you bring um, victory. You come and you bring and meet every need, Lord, that, that 
that they would have this morning, Lord Jesus. And Lord, maybe there were others who didn't respond, but this morning, Lord, they are just sensing your Holy Spirit moving on their hearts this morning. And I just thank you that you touch them and you bring to them peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, that their minds would be clear, their hearts would be clear. Lord, that they would hear your voice, that they would know you. God, that you would be the voice behind them saying, walk this way, walk this way, and walk in it. And this morning, Lord, I just praise you and I thank you for clarity. I thank you, Lord, that in the middle of chaos, Lord, you bring clarity. And so, Lord, we thank you for your clear voice this morning. And, Lord, just like little Zacchaeus, We want to welcome you into every part of our hearts and our lives and our families and our jobs and our ministries and our communication and our time. Lord, we want to be a people that is ready. We want to be a bride that is spotless. Lord, we thank you that only you, a visitation from you, can do this. We thank you in your mighty and precious name. Amen. 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 So this week, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to every part, every room in your life, and let him come and let him clean every area And live for Jesus. Live for his glory and for his name. Amen? Amen. Let me bless you this morning. Father, I just bless Life Change Church. Lord, I bless them with all the blessings of the covenant. Lord, I bless them that they would be a people um, that are blessed coming in, blessed going out. Lord, that they would be the head and not the tail. Lord, I thank you that you bless them and keep them and cause your face to shine upon them and give them peace. And as we go about our week this week, Lord, we thank you that you are leading us. You are leading guiding us, and we thank you in your mighty and precious and awesome name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you back next week.